All right, let's pray. So, Father, thank you for today. Jesus, we so honor you and love you. Holy Spirit, we, we just welcome you. This is, man, we, we're in your house. This, we're your people. And so thank you, Holy Spirit, for coming and just doing what you do best. And that's just talking to us, changing us, ministering to us, uh, just meeting us exactly where we're at. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for just specifically coming and bringing freedom in the house today. And, uh, and even more specific, thank you for coming and just uh, reaching down deep and uprooting a poverty mind set out of us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, if we are aware of not, uh, God has called every single one of us to be an overcomer. Amen. This means this, as his sons and his daughters, man, that God has called us to live from a position of victory. And it's from that position of victory that we get the opportunity to prevail against the trials, the temptations, and the traps of this world. And it's from that position of victory, guess what, that we get to prevail against the schemes and the plans and the attacks of the enemy. That's good news, right? So, you know, once again, this truth is clearly stated for us in Revelation chapter 12. This is kind of our uh, foundational verse maybe here of, of this, uh, this series. So let's read it one more time. It says in verse 10, it says, for the accuser of our brothers, 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 I wanted to say brethren. I want to read a different translation. For the accuser of our brothers. Who is that? Y'all know who that is? Who the accuser of the brother? Who is it? It's the devil. Okay. It says, who accuses them before our God day and night has been hurled down. Verse 11 is key. It says that they, talking about us, overcame or conquered or prevailed against or got victory over the devil by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. I want to say here really quick, uh, you wouldn't have a testimony if it wasn't for the blood. Okay, so, so before we move any further here, I want us to notice the word there, by, that we overcome by the blood of the Lamb. You see, it's extremely important for us to understand that uh, this victory that we've been called to isn't based off anything that we've accomplished in our own strength, our own merit, our own efforts. It is solely based off of what Jesus has done and what Jesus has provided for us through his cross and resurrection. Great place to say amen. See, listen, in fact, Jesus told us this plainly in John 16, 3. You can see the verse up here. It says this, As I have told you these things, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart. I have overcome the world. Man, that's good. So here's, here's kind of main, the main thing I want us to grab today. Uh, because of what Jesus has done for us, we don't strive, we don't work, we don't claw, we don't try to, to somehow try to gain, you, you know, gain uh, some kind of victory. We, we, we don't, you know, try to gain some kind of effort to be an overcomer. We just are. You get that? We're not striving for it. We just are. Man, it's in our spiritual DNA. It's our absolute uh, inheritance as heirs of salvation. It comes with the deal. It's a benefit, all right? So, but with that said, listen, if we have the, if, think about this. If we have the ability to understand that God has called me to be an overcomer, I think it would be foolish to think that the enemy doesn't uh, know that as well, right? And in fact, if we're honest, we'd probably realize that, you know what, he's more aware of it than we are. Right, And if, if we're probably even safe to say this, that he's currently doing everything he can to stop us from becoming that overcomer. See, in fact, I like the way Paul said, and this is a different verse. I gave you one last week. I want to give you this one, uh, one this week. Paul actually told us how the enemy is going to try to come and stop us from being an overcomer. He said this in Galatians 5.1. He says, it was for freedom that Christ set us free. It says, therefore, keep standing. That's actually a military term. Basically, it speaks of conflict and fighting. It says, therefore, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. Now, does God bring us, uh, you know, does God come and put a yoke of slavery on us? 
No, he doesn't. So who's Paul talking about? He's talking about the enemy. He's talking about the devil here. So, so if you can think about this for a second, if we can sit here, what is a yoke of slavery? A yoke of slavery is just another word for bondage. And uh, in fact, bondage is defined as this, and it'll be on the screen, that it, bondage is any thought or action that limits our freedom. For, for Christ set us free. For freedom, Christ set us free. So any thought or any action that limits our freedom. So really when we're talking about bondage, the enemy's goal here is control. You've got to get that. that He is doing everything he can to regain control of our lives so he can rob us of our freedom, so he can rob us of our ability to be overcomers. See, it's kind of through this, and, and uh, this is important. If you, listen, just hone in on this because um, it's important. I'll just say it that way. It's just important. <laughs> I'll just say it because I'll just say it. This is so deeply, what we're going to talk about today is so deeply rooted in our region. It is unbelievable. Okay? And, and, and what happens is, I'm maybe, you know, say this, is that um, nobody knows they're deceived. Right? Nobody goes around, I'm deceived. Hey. I'm believing a lie. Woo! Right? Deceived people don't know they're deceived. They just walk around deception. They walk around believing a lie. Right? And, and so, you, you know, we are surrounded by people. And uh, we've even done things. It's all, so maybe I'll say it this way. Uh, when I was growing up, you know, and I had a, you know, an alcoholic grandfather and an alcoholic stepdad. You, you know, it wasn't until I was uh, 17 years old that I went to a guy's name, a guy named, one of my friends' name, his name is Alan. I went to his house, and I saw, man, this guy's dad really loves his mom. It wasn't until I got there and I went, I went, wow, what I thought is normal is really abnormal. It's really dysfunctional. Right? Am I making sense? So, so often we live in cultures where there's just absolute dysfunction and we're completely unaware of it. Why? Because the culture is operating from a level of deception because they believe lies. Okay? So anyway, so the enemy comes and brings bond. He robs us of our, of our ability to be overcomers through deception and lies. It's in our thoughts. It's, it's here that the enemy does this. And you got to understand this. That, that if he can get us to listen to or to think about a lie long enough... Slowly but surely, our words will begin to reflect that lie. And pretty soon, it won't just be our words, but our actions will follow. And eventually, over time, we'll even begin to believe that the lie is truth, even though it's not. Right? It, 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 listen, it's at that point, our perception has become our reality. Right? And we knowingly, what, unknowingly, end up in bondage. Right? So listen, the... the uh, this ultimately means that our ability to remain free, what Paul was talking about there in Galatians, and, and our ability to walk as overcomer really depends on and hinges on our ability to identify and stay free from the lies and the deception of the enemy. Okay? Listen, there's not a person in this room uh, that hasn't been lied to at some point in your life. And the truth is, is even though we're 50, 60, 70 years old, there's lies that we believe since we were five years old. Right? Because, because it's like this, and you know, not to be petty here, but uh, we've all heard about the old circus elephant, right? That when he was little, they put a chain on his leg, right? And every time he tries to go, it, right? Every time he, he tries to, and then what happens when he gets older, what do they put on his leg? A rope <laughs> that he could easily break like a twig, but once again, because they, he's believed so much that I can't get free and I can't break free, then I can't be free. That's the way we live so often, yeah. right? 
So anyway, so once again, and I'm just, this is all intro, but the purpose of this series is uh, not only to identify, and it's why it's so important for us to go back and listen to last week, because it's not just to identify the lies and identify the deception, but we want to confront those things by the power of God. Right? Because that's the only way to get free. It's the power of God and the love of God. So, so we want to identify it, and we want to confront it, and ultimately we want to get free from any bondage, any lie, any stronghold that's keeping us from being overcomers. Right? All right, so last week... Uh, we talked about a religious spirit. Gave you five, five things, five headings. Took about 25 things, slammed them into five. Uh, basically things that qualify as a religious spirit. And, uh, and Jesus knows in a lot of ways I was even talking to myself. All right. Today, I'm going to talk to myself again. All right. Is, um, <laughs> is this. Glad you're going to be here. It's a little self-talk today. I'm going to sit on the couch and talk to myself. But, but anyways, it, it's, it's this. We're gonna, today, we're going to talk about a poverty spirit. A poverty spirit. Now, I, you know, I don't know about you, but for years, when I thought about the word poverty, I would think automatically, oh, man, that's just somebody that lacks money. Or I would think something like this, I'd imagine. I'm going to show you some pictures today. I'd imagine something like this. That Man, that's poverty. Give me the next one, please. Uh, yep, that's poverty. Yep, that's what I'd see. Next one, please. Yep, yeah, you can leave that there. <laughs> Is anybody with me today? That when I think of poverty, in other words, I didn't, I didn't think that, you know, growing up in my, you know, uh, middle class home that we were in poverty, right? So when I thought about that, once again, I always thought about money and I always thought about some kind of living conditions. But, you know, when I was in Haiti a few weeks ago, you know, I was in Haiti maybe for an hour and a half. And I, and I went to this, uh, the ministry that we were there working with, and the guy got up, the director of the ministry, and the first thing he said was this. He says that uh, poverty is not what you see on the outside. Poverty is in the heart. And poverty is not on the outside. The poverty is in the heart. So I want you to understand today that on the outside, we could be standing in this room. We could have, you, you, know, uh, you know, a reasonable house, a reasonable car, reasonable clothes, all those things. So we can look like we got it together on the outside, but on the inside, we can look like that. And, and the reason we look like that, once again, could be because of something that happened to us when we were 14 years old. Are you guys with me? That there was a lie, there was something that was done to us, whatever, that, that somehow it robbed me of the ability to think that I was an overcomer in life. You, you see, at the heart of this thing, or at the root, poverty, yes, it's a lie, but it's also a mindset. It's a mentality that steals our value, that steals our dignity, that steals our worth. When I was in Haiti walking around, that's what I saw. I saw people who had nothing that did not have poverty. They didn't have it. They, didn't, you know, they lived in an absolute, what we would qualify as a dump, but they didn't operate because they had dignity. They had honor. They had worth. And then there was other people there that, man, that they had nothing. And part of the reason you knew they didn't have uh, any dignity is because they'd have a piece of trash, and you sit in that pit, they just throw it on the ground. Right? Listen, so poverty, once again, is a mindset or a mentality, but it affects the way we think, it affects the way we act, it affects the way we speak, the way we carry ourselves, even the way we dress, right? And it also can affect this. Get to, it can even affect our marriages. And I'm going to tell you how it affects our marriages. Well, I'll never have a good one. That's poverty mentality, right? It affects the way we raise our kids. I can't tell you how many times I've been to Walmart and watched somebody respond to their kids in this poverty, Right? They're hollering at the kids. And why? Because it's understand this, that as parents, especially a father, one of our number one things is to bring affirmation to our children. 
Right? And, and when you get into poverty, you basically see people who have a lack of affirmation in their life. And so it doesn't stop there. It's, man, it, it begins to be uh, even in the intera- our interaction with people or even our interaction with God can be a poverty mindset. And even in this sense, and this is something that, man, eye-opener, is that it can even affect the anointing on our lives for ministry or for what God's called us to do. You, you see, uh, poverty is, is such a uh, powerful and dramatic thing that can literally not only just change an individual's life, but it has the ability to change households, to change communities, regions, nations, a culture, and even a generation. So as you can see, once again, poverty, I just want to get this home in our heads here. Poverty is, isn't really what we saw in those pictures. It isn't about a lack of money. Uh, what we just saw is just simply a symptom of a greater problem, a greater issue that flows from a person's heart or a group of people's hearts, right? And once again, it's those people that have believed a lie of the enemy, and all they're doing is, is, is this. Once again, it doesn't matter if you're poor, if you're middle class, or if you have all the money in the world, you can still be ruled by a spirit of poverty. All right, so what I want to do... I want to tell you really quick, just fast definition. I want to take poverty from what we saw there, and I want to bring it to our world as believers, okay? Maybe, maybe help it get a little bit more traction in our hearts. So what is a poverty spirit or a spirit of poverty? Uh, a poverty spirit is this. It's a lie or a stronghold that keeps us from walking in the fullness of our God-given inheritance and identity. A poverty spirit is a lie that keeps us from walking in the fullness of of our God-given inheritance and identity. You see, a poverty spirit, what it does is it, is it hinders us from walking in the fullness of God's will for our lives. And it actually comes in it, and it steals from us the, the, our rightful things that we have as children of God. Are you, are you with me? As a child of God, we walk in nobility. We're royalty. Right? Not arrogance, but royalty. See, see the, the tricky part here is... The lie of the enemy that he sells for some of us here, the bait, is he says, come, come and be like this. You'll look humble. And you make, once again, you got to understand the lies of the enemy. It's different. You know, remember, Jesus set us free from the bondage of sin and death. When we were in our sin, he gave us an area of different tactics. Once we get saved, his tactics change, and he makes it look spiritual and makes it look godly. And once it ends, it's just lies. It's an imitation. Am I making sense to you guys? See, this is why many people would say that a poverty spirit is one of the biggest devastations, biggest attack as far as stealing, and killing, and destroying, because, once again, it robs people, us, of our identity. It robs the children of God. So this is huge. Okay? And uh, let me maybe say it this way. I'll kind of get ahead of myself. I remember... Man, I was probably 19 years old, uh, 18, 19. Hadn't been saved long, learning the word, all those things. But, but I remember, you know, thinking, you know, I hear people say around me, you know, boy, if you're going to go into ministry, you're going to be poor. You know, ministers, they don't have anything. You, you, you're going to be poor. The other thing they always say is your kid's going to be a hellion. Well, that's a lie. And uh, so, so you're going to be poor, you're going to be poor. And they say, yep, you know, look at that scripture over there. Jesus... You know, he said, foxes have holes, birds have their nests, but I have nowhere to lay my head. You're going to be poor. You know, if you're going to be a disciple, you're going to be blah, 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 blah. And what happened was, is because I said, okay, well, this is my lot in life. I'm going to be poor if I'm going to answer the call of God. 
What happened was, is that was the lie that opened the door for the host of all the other things that we're talking about today that came flooding in. Because if you give me an inch, it'll take a mile. Right? And so I've spent 20 years trying to get free of all this other stuff, and I didn't even know what it was from until lately. Is all right to say that? So, so, and I'll show you at the end how we'll close the things that I didn't realize to bring the balance of the stupidity of the things that people said. Because once again, you got to remember that the enemy feasts off a lack of knowledge, right? And when you don't know the word, that's the entryway, okay? Because he tricks you, right? All right, let's pick it up here. Let me give you six ways real quick a poverty spirit reveals itself in our lives. Number one, first thing, the individual who is being deceived by a poverty spirit will have an inferiority complex. See, a person who has a poverty spirit by nature will have a low self-esteem. They'll have a low self-esteem. So an inferior person, they'll, they'll literally do this. They'll, they'll believe that they are less than others. That they'll literally sit back and go, man, I don't match up in quality and status and ability. Not even likeability. People aren't even going to like me as much as they like other people. They, they even sit back and they have an ungodly view of themselves. Because why? Because in their heart of hearts, once again, it may not be what they betray, but in their hearts, they don't value themselves and they don't love themselves. They don't see themselves as valuable or even lovable. And, and it's kind of like this. In their heart of hearts, they believe that, man, we're just going to kind of make it through life, but I'm never really going to amount to anything of significance. See, and and the funny part about this, this area here is even though it's not based off facts, it's just based off a host of feelings, it it causes people to live uh, with a lower standard in life. So it's not just in life in general. Once again, you got to remember this thing uh, goes with you everywhere you go and affects everything you do. touches every relationship, every interaction, everything that you put your hand to, it affects it. And, and so what happens is, is, is it's kind of like this mentality, that, man, I'm going to bring myself to here because if I see myself in this low standard, then, then you know, whatever, maybe I won't disappoint myself, right? And, and the crazy thing is, it's like, it's like people with inferiority complex, it's like they view themselves as, as someone who's got to somehow crawl up underneath the king's table and just hope a crumb falls, Right? Instead, while they're down there searching for crumbs, they don't realize all the while Jesus died for them to give them a seat at the table. Right? Jesus has given us a seat at the table as his kids. Amen? So the second thing here is the individual who's being deceived by a poverty spirit will have a sense of inadequacy. See, a person who has a poverty spirit by nature believes they don't have what it takes. Men, are you hearing me? That they sit there and they believe, man, I don't have what it takes. See, a person who feels like they're inadequate will do this. They'll see themselves as lacking the necessary resources and abilities to help people. They say, man, I can't love, I can't give, I can't communicate, I can't serve, I can't have a healthy relationship. I can, I can, I can't fill in your blank of what you say you can't. But, but it's literally sit back and they believe, man, I'm not smart enough, I'm not pretty enough, I'm not good enough. At the end of the day, once again, inadequacy says, I am not, not just I don't have enough, but I am not enough. See, it's this thing that there's a deep sense, a deep feeling of insufficiency, even to this, to do what God has called them to do. So, so you know, they can receive a prophetic word. They can, they can see something in the Bible. They can hear a sermon that would inspire them. But before they get home, they're already sunk back into this inadequacy mindset that's like Moses, where they say, God, I can't speak because I, I, I got a stuttering problem. Right? Or, or maybe they're like Gideon. Who, me? I'm the least of all these. In other words, it's like Gideon thought, man, if you line up all the tribes of Israel and we're picking teams, right? How they used to do in the playground. If we're picking up teams, right, for the kickball team, I'm going to be picked last. 
See, it's that mentality that's like Saul that says, man, i got to hide behind the baskets. It's like Jeremiah where he began to give excuses where he said, I can't speak for I am only a youth. See, a person that, that feels like, you know, they're struggling with inadequacy all the time, it, it, the reason they struggle is because they can't get their eyes off themselves. Because they're so focused on their weaknesses, they don't see his power that can be made perfect in their lives. They can't say who God is or who he wants to be in them and through them. Are, are you all following me today? Number three, the individual who is being deceived by a poverty spirit will play the comparison game. Man, if my butt lands in any of these, this is me. I'm going to be honest with you today. Okay, this is me, and I'm going to show you, I'm going to show you how it works. I recognized this maybe in the last year and went, man, I've got to get this together. This is unhealthy. So a person with a poverty spirit or who has a poverty spirit by nature will constantly measure or rate themselves by the successes and failures of others. Does that make sense? See, a person who completes the comparison game will do this. They'll constantly live with an unhealthy or a critical attitude toward themselves. It's like this, and that critical attitude causes them to be self-centered. And here's how, here's how it manifests. Here's how at least it worked in my life. Is that when someone would compliment someone else's ability, someone else's talent, someone else's accomplishments, I would automatically go, I wonder what they think about me. Y'all have never done that, have you? You, you know, it's like this. Man, she's pretty. I wonder if they think I'm pretty. Man, they're smart. They think I'm smart. Man, am I a good athlete? Man, am I a hard worker? Man, am I a good business owner? You, you know, man, am I a good singer? Am I a good teacher? Am I a preacher? Man, they said he was anointed. Am I anointed? I wonder if they think that. Man, they said he's a good Christian. I wonder if they think I'm a godly guy. Right? And it's like this. Am, am I good at, once again, filling your blank? Because here it is. It's like this. I, you know, I wonder why they didn't say something about me. Or, or it goes like this, you know, all those other people, they keep asking them to do stuff. I wonder why they're not asking me to do it. They didn't ask me to come over for lunch today. They didn't ask me to preach at that conference. They didn't. A- yeah. See, see, and here's what I learned, man. All of that mess, man, it sure can lead to self-pity, self-hate, self-criticism, rejection, depression. Uh, and here's the really good one. It's jealous and envy. <laughs> Right? Oh, I hate that guy. <laughs> I, I, remember, uh, I remember hearing uh, Bob, I always says last name wrong, Sorge. Sorge is S O R G E. I remember him saying this. This is hilarious. He's like, uh, everywhere he turned, he kept hearing Max Lucado, Max Lucado, Max Lucado, Max Lucado. <laughs> And he, and he said in one of his sermons, he goes, you know, I, I, don't even, I don't even know Max Lucado. If he walked in the room, I wouldn't even know him. And, uh, you, you know, but, man, I, I, I hate this guy. <laughs> and and he, he said one day, he said, Lord, why do I hate this guy? He said, because it's his book that's on the bestseller and not yours. Man, there's some truth in that. Man, I hate that, that guy, those people. Man, their business is more successful than mine. Right? But, but see, here's the thing, though. It, on the flip side, this is how this thing works because it goes both ways. Because we'll always find ourselves, uh, you know, if you look at people long enough and compare yourself to people, you'll find somebody that you're better than. <laughs> you know, sometimes you just got to lower the standard really low to make, kind, of, kind of pick yourself up, right? But, but, but when you do that is, man, that makes room for pride. And then it's a sense of superiority 
which is still sin. <laughs> it's still wrong. So inwardly it's this, and if you'll be honest or not, I will be, that inwardly, man, it's like we find pleasure when people fail, right? And at the same time, we're disappointed when people succeed. So listen, this mentality keeps us so focused focused on and preoccupied with ourselves that we really can't even see what God's trying to do in our lives. And we can't see, watch this, we can't see what he's trying to do in the lives of others. Right, somebody—it's almost like this. Somebody falls in their sin, and we're so—we're more—we're happier that they fail than to think that maybe God would want to use me to help restore them in, in spirit of humility. Right? <sighs> Ultimately, it does this. We'll move number four. That it keeps us from celebrating what God is doing around us, because the Bible clearly says, "Man, when when, when people have a good moment, we should do what." We rejoice, we celebrate, right? And when they're mourning, we should mourn. That's community. That's the body of Christ in action, right? And it's the spirit of poverty that keeps us from operating like the body should function. So here we go. Number four, the individual who is being deceived by a poverty spirit will have a taker mentality. Have a taker mentality. I remember when I was a young guy, I'd only been saved, man, maybe two years I started working with evangelists, and he would, man, he would repeat this like every two days. He would say, boys, there's two types of people in this world. There's givers and there's takers, and you can't be both. There's givers and there's takers, and you can't be both. See, a person who has a poverty spirit by nature takes and is never satisfied. Get that. Don't just take, but they're never Satisfied. See, a person with a taker mentality, they have a selfish perspective on life, and they only think about what they can get. They rarely think about giving to or blessing others. Let me. <laughs> Here's a good way to know if you got a taker mentality in here: is every time the offerings mentioned in church, you cringe. <laughs> hear me, seriously. If if well, we're going to take a special offering today, what's God in shouldn't have came today? I told you we shouldn't have came. <laughs> see, when you have a taker mentality, you can't see that the money that's in your bank account really belongs to God and not you. You haven't relinquished your control over it yet. See, a person that is, has a taker mentality, they'll be ungrateful. And the reason they're ungrateful is because they expect, keyword, everyone to give them, give to them while they give nothing back in return. Y'all never met anybody like that. They expect everyone to give to them while they give nothing back in return. They expect things to be handed to them at no cost. They refuse to work, they refuse to work for anything because they live as if everyone owes them something. And what's interesting is, is someone can be super spiritual. They can pray the house down, but yet be the biggest moocher you've ever met in your life. These kind of people, man, they drop uh, subtle hints and even blatant requests to people. You know, there's that old thing, uh, you know, live by hints, not by faith, right? And so it, it's, uh, <laughs> man. So, so basically what it is, man, this person, once again, rather live by get, dropping hints to everybody than living by faith and, and going, Jesus, here's the need. Yeah. L- listen, a, as a Christian, is there anything maybe better than going in a closet and you don't say a, a word to a soul and you pray and you watch God move? Listen, if there's ever been a time in my life where I said, God, I'm not even sure if you're real or not, I can't deny that. Because I've seen him do so much. Are you with me? See, this person basically sees people 
this taker mentality, they see people as opportunities. Get that. They will enter a relationship because it's an opportunity for them. And if they can get in there good enough, they can manipulate that relationship to fulfill their own needs and wants. They could even expect someone, and this is kind of a different level, but they expect people to solve all of their problems for them. All right, so in essence, they're selfish. Here we go, number five. The individual who's being deceived by poverty spirit will be, number five, irrational in their own behavior. Let me explain what I mean by that. A person who has a poverty spirit by nature will refuse to take responsibility for their actions. You ever met anybody like that? This is a person that lives, you know, I asked if you ever met somebody because it would never be any of us, right? Did you notice that? Yes. So a person that lives with a rational behavior will never take ownership of their character flaws, their mistakes, or their poor behavior because they are never wrong, right? It's always someone else's fault or someone else's problem. You ever met that person and say, man, they set me up. Man, they just always got something against me. It's a poverty mentality in action. Or, or the opposite is this, and this is pretty funny. If you sit back, you'll recognize this. It's, 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 they, they refuse to take ownership, but at the same time, let's say they actually do it right. They do something right, and they walk in the room. Crown me, right? It's like they want everybody to throw a freaking party and celebrate the fact that they got it right. Good job, Jimmy. It's so disproportioned. Are you, are you following me? It's so disproportioned. Anyways, here we go. Moving along. The individual who is being deceived by a poverty spirit, well, number six, they have a fear of the future. Last one. They have a fear of the future. A person who has a poverty spirit by nature will lack hope for the future. The reason I say this is this is because they have an inward sense of dread and worry and anxiety regarding the future because they are so convinced that even though it's going great right now, just wait, it's going to go wrong. Listen, it's funny because even people that have this, some, this isn't all of them, but they can accumulate more than they need. It's called hoarding. Because they hoard because of the unknowns of the future. You better not throw that away. We might need that in 40 years. <laughs> Why? Because there's a fear that there might be a day that they're not going to have enough. You see, poverty in its core is not the fear of not having. It's the fear of not having enough. Right? That's, that basically, it's from a position of lack. So anyways, this kind of person, last thing here is they lack peace, they lack rest, and they lack optimism for their tomorrows. In other words, they're kind of marked by hopelessness. And, and those people are, man, some of the most difficult people in the world to pray for. <laughs> because any, anything good that's coming down the turnpike from heaven, well, they don't believe it anyways. Yeah. Right? Well, I'm sick because, you know, 40 years ago, I stubbed my toe and I said the S word. And so, you know, the Lord is now striking me with this. He's just teaching me something. No, there's a real devil. And you smoked for 40 years. And you ate fried chicken every day of your life, you know. So true. All right, so let's just move on. Here we go. Is, is if I could bring those six things and six things together and use a different word from poverty spirit, maybe just kind of knock this thing home. It's, it's really this, two words. It's called a victim mentality. It's a victim mentality that everybody's against me, the world's against me, it's me against the world, the poor me is I'll never be good enough, never had enough, never be loved. It's that, right? You, you, know, you know, listen, y'all, y'all, for a, y'all look at me. 
Because it's our job to pray and believe that our culture would change. The world's not going to do it. So why do folks from Rockland hate Camden people? No, no, I'm being serious. Because it is a poverty spirit in action. Because they did... Well, here's the thing. Because the Camden people back at them, once again, doesn't matter how much money you got, operated out of a poverty spirit towards them. It's the devil, y'all. Yes? It is, it, is not, it is not a dividing of classes. It is, it is something that's in the heart. Once again, it has nothing to do with what's in... Nothing. doesn't matter what car you drive, what house you drive. It is a condition of the heart. Have you believed a lie? And the overall question we got to really ask ourselves today is this. Is do I want my life to be defined by a liar? Let that sink in. To understand that he is the father of lies and he does not have the ability to tell the truth. And if I'm believing what he's telling me, I'm letting a liar define who I am. Or I can let the word of God define who I am. To let the one who created me, the one who has a purpose and a plan for me, the one that wants to give me a hope, the one that's given me a new identity, a new heart. Do I want him to define me or that old joker? That's an easy decision. So, so part of this before we move, and I, I know I'm preaching long today, but, but part, part of this is when that lie comes, I got a choice at that moment. Because if I'm a believer, it doesn't matter. Look, if, I, if I've been two days in the kingdom, God's given me a level of discernment. And he said, uh, I'll be able to hear his voice and I'll be able to discern the voice of a stranger. So when that opposite voice comes, will I believe it or not? It's up to me. It's up to me. So, I, so everybody look at me. You're not where you're at today because your mama said something to you when you were six. You're where you're at today because you believed what your mama said at six. You, you know, there's, there's an old quote that says this, that, that life is 10% of what happens to you, and the other 90% is what you do with the 10%. We've all been given a crap sandwich at one point in our life. That was a really nice way of saying what, the way I really wanted to say it, right? I don't cuss, so I'd be in trouble. But listen, but, but are y'all feeling me? We've all, we've all been handed a bad stick in life somewhere along the line, Right? Oh, all of us have. But, but those who rise above it, what they do is they learn how to filter it through the Word. And they go, let's rise above that. And those that say, oh, it's pity me. <laughs> I'm a victim. Y'all got y'all's Bible? Turn Luke 15 real quick. Luke 15. I, I was really asking the Lord, Lord, can you give me something that really describes what all this looks like? And... Um, you know, this is several things. This is the main thing that stuck out to me. I just want to show you this. And, man, I, I hope this is right on. So, I believe it is. Verse 11. Here we go. Luke 15, verse 11. Most of us in here know this story. It says, Then he said, A certain man had two sons. Y'all know where we're going? It says, And the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the portion of goods that falls to me. So he divided to them his livelihood. There's all kinds of things here to preach, but we're going for one point. Here we go, 13. And not many days after, the younger son gathered all together, journeyed to a far country, and there wasted his possessions with prodigal or wasteful living. Verse 14 says, But when he had spent all, there arose a severe famine in the land, and he began to be in want. He began to lack 
says, Then he went and joined or attached himself to a citizen of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. And he would gladly, it says, He would gladly have filled his stomach with the pods and the swine. Yeah, I got so much writing. Sorry, I got so much writing here. I'm having a hard time. I should have been. Pods that the swine ate, and no one gave him anything. It says, but when he came to himself, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have bread enough and to, uh, and to spare, and I will perish with hunger? Watch this. Here's the whole reason I'm going here. Verse 18. I will arise and go to my father, and I will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and before you. That's good, right? It's good to repent. Verse 19. And I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. And I am no longer worthy, and I am no longer worthy, and I am no longer worthy to be called your sons. Make me like one of your hired servants. Here's what I feel like the Holy Ghost told me. Is that we've all had our moments where we've done our thing, we came to our senses, and we came back to God, but we're now stuck like an absolute record that's broken, like a CD that's skipping on verse, what? What was that? Verse 19. We just keep reliving it. I'm no longer worthy. I'm no longer worthy. Make me your hired servant. Help me somehow earn what you're trying to give me. That, little I ask, God, give me an image of a poverty mindset. That's it. That's it. See, what we need to understand today is that God has already ran to us. He is currently trying his absolute best, folks, in this room to fall on you, to kiss you, to put the best robe on you, to put a ring on your hand, put sandals on your feet. He is longing to kill the fatted calf, to celebrate with you, to restore you back to your rightful place, but you're stuck on repeat. I'm no longer worthy. <laughs> right? It's, it's that, where did that good old list go? That, that I, I'm, I'm less than, I'm inferior, I don't have enough. I mean, I'm too busy comparing myself. I got this take from time, give it to me, give it to me. That's how, what got him into trouble in the first place. And, and then he's irrational, he didn't want to own anything. But then, then there's that fear of the future. Are y'all following me? All right, so I'm going to close with this. Give you a few verses here. Remember I told you that I, that I believed I'm going to be poor. Right, and I remember once again. I mean, I thank I thank God for the church I was at, North Carolina, because religion, religion, religion is twin sisters with a poverty spirit. <laughs> Absolutely, twin sisters. And uh, when you're in a when you're in a religious church and a religious culture, uh, they celebrate poverty and they celebrate a religious spirit. And when I got up out of that thing, man, it was like. Uh, going from a black and white movie to color. And I remember uh, hearing pastor preach, and I, and, I, and I remember going in my own prayer closet, and I began to say this, Father, I thank you that I am blessed. That made me feel so uncomfortable. But I, have you ever said it where you, where you spoke the word, and it did something in you? <laughs> like you felt something like, eh, let's move that. So, oh, someone said, Father, I thank you. I am blessed. Man, I said that thing I don't know how many times. That simple, Father, I thank you that I am blessed. Why? Because, once again, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Father, I thank you that I'm blessed. Father, I thank you that I'm blessed. And the more I sat in that teaching, I learned something. Because remember, Jesus was poor, so I'm going to be poor. But then I realized Deuteronomy 28 tells us that poverty is a curse of the law. 
Go read the fruit. Do yourself a favor today. Go homework. Go home and read Deuteronomy 28, 53 times. Anyway, just kidding. All right, so just, just go read it, all right? Just go read it. Just go read it and, and see what God wants to do for you, okay? If we had time, I'd read it today, but we don't. So, so once again, I, I, I saw and I began to learn that poverty was a curse of the law. But Galatians 3.13 tells us this, that Christ has redeemed us from the curse of the law. So the very mentality that I thought was, was right and godly and spiritual, Jesus was like, that's of the devil, man. And I died for that thing so you wouldn't have to carry it. Right? Listen, here's the other verse I want to give you because it doesn't stop there. Let me maybe rewind. Kind of bring the whole context in here. Do you understand that he redeemed us from the curse of the law so that the blessings of Abraham could be poured out on our lives? Now, now, everybody listen to me. Was Abraham a poor man? He's the richest man on the planet. But, not, but, but listen, listen to this, though. Not just in physical wealth, okay? I love it what the Bible says. I, I think it's Genesis 12. I could be wrong on that. Don't quote me. But, but where, where God says, Abraham, I am your exceedingly great reward. His richness was in his relationship with God. Amen? That's so good. So that's the blessings. All right, now look at this last verse here. Corinthians 8 and 9. 2 Corinthians 8 and 9 says this, For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. When I read this, it messed up my theology. For you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, that though he was rich, yet for our sakes he became poor. Uh-oh, because that's why he didn't have a house to stay in, any of that stuff. So that you, through his poverty, might become rich. And that's rich, spirit, soul, and body. So I miss that. <laughs> but I don't want us to miss that. I don't. Listen, Jesus has come and he has broken the power of poverty off our lives. We either believe the truth or we continue to live in the lie. It's really that simple. I, I, my prayer is that we, would, that we would grab a hold of the truth and we'd realize that not just financially, but man, every kind of poverty, he's broke it. So, so today, I, I just feel like I just need to tell you this. Man, you're a blessed people. Hear me. You are blessed. You are a blessed people. I feel like I need to tell you, man, remind you, you're loved with an unconditional love. The man that the Spirit of God lives inside of you. Man, that you're a child of the King. Once again, nobility is your right. Amen? Listen, that through, once again, that through the covenant, all the resources of heaven have been made available to you give you a last verse. I love this verse because it messes with me, right? Romans 8.32, it says this, for if God did not spare his own son, how much more would he not also freely get the, freely give us all things? That's freedom. That's not I'm worthy, make me a hired servant. No, it's free. It's, it's, free. it's free. It's free. Don't you like it when people give you something for free? It's free. Take it. Take it's free. Oh, I'm done. All right, I'm done. All right, team, come on up, worship team. If you're on the ministry team, go ahead and come up here, please. You can stand to your feet. I want to do something. I, I asked the team today. I kind of threw them a, a monkey wrench today. I am I am no victim. Was not on the lineup, and uh, these guys did awesome to pull it out. And I just felt like we need to sing it. And so today, I'm going to pray for you. 
you guys can line up here. If you listen, if you if you feel in your heart that that you need prayer, okay, that man, I just, I just want somebody to pray with me. Um, you, you know, there's something I'm struggling over. Maybe I just need somebody to get in agreement, break that power. Maybe maybe you've never made a decision for Jesus. There there, uh, there is no greater poverty than not knowing Jesus. So so maybe you just need to say, man, I need to give my life to Jesus. Uh, maybe you say, man, there's just something I want prayer for. And maybe it's small, maybe it's big, maybe healing your body, whatever. These guys are available. But I am going to ask you to do uh, yourself a big favor today. Um, I know some of you guys are newer to church, but we sing this. Uh, man, don't be afraid to sing out loud. And don't be afraid to close your eyes. And, and don't be afraid to say, Jesus, I believe that. Can we do that today? Let me pray for you real quick. Father, I thank you for every one of your kids that's here today. Father, I thank you that, yes, indeed, that they are blessed. Father, I thank you that the lies of the enemy today are broken in Jesus' name. Father, I thank you that the curse of law and sin and death has been defeated in our lives. And God, now we reign victorious. We now reign as overcomers. We now reign as just your chosen kids. And so, Lord, let us quit uh, scrambling underneath the table trying to find this and find that. Lord, let us take our seat. Let us look you in the eyes and say, Papa, it's just good to be with you. Dad, it's good to be with you. And uh, so, Lord, today we're just asking any wrong thinking. And as, even as Pastor Al, you say, God, any stinking thinking, God, that's in there that's just not right. Father, thank you for removing it. Expose it by your light. Lord, we thank you today that we're not victims. We don't operate from poverty mentality. Loose healing in this place today. And Lord, thank you that if anybody in here today that's just never made a decision to know you, God, we believe today's their day. And so, Lord, we just bless you. We honor you. And we thank you for the opportunity to worship you out of response for who you are. In Jesus' name, amen.